1: River City has come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. This is Sean Azzaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life.
0: Yes, welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azzaro. Baron Wiley here. All right, Pastor Sean, if you had to rank all the podcasts that we've done for the last five years... I dare say that last one where you just kind of took the old quick hits on what's happening in the culture today, <laughs> I thought that was fun.
1: Well, I, I thought it was fun, too. Here, here's the thing. It's fun because we were just basically spouting our opinions for <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> our half an hour. cost
0: you nothing. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> you know, sometimes what's great baron and you do a great job of leading the conversation and it's just a conversation and i think people sometimes we're talking about things that maybe they don't get to talk about a lot mm-hmm. get to hear perspectives on and and one of the things we're very committed to here on the reaching for real life podcast and radio program mm-hmm. is looking at issues looking at life from a biblical perspective With everything we want to do it through the lens of scripture through the lens of hey how does god feel about this and how do we then respond
0: that last question that you took, Pastor Sean, uh, dealt with the gender issue, and it had to do with the with the male athlete breaking all those records in Canada, Yeah, and uh, I think we're going to dig a little deeper today.
1: Well, yeah, and that's something that everybody's having to deal with, wanting to figure out how we respond, how are we supposed to live our lives, and try to be followers of Jesus in the midst of that, and it's a, I think a lot of people have have questions about that. And today's program is really going to be helpful.
0: Dr. Katie McCoy, she's written a book called To Be a Woman, The Confusion Over Female Identity and How Christians Can Respond. You can find it in all the usual places, Amazon and B&H Publishing. She serves as the director of women's ministries at Texas Baptist and holds a Ph.D. from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm looking forward to this, Pastor Sean.
1: She's a very clear, articulate, uh, engaging conversationalist and speaker, but she's passionate too. So it's a good conversation. I'm looking forward to, to sharing this with our listeners. Our guest is Dr. Katie McCoy. Katie, thank you for being with us. Hey,
2: thanks for having me.
1: So Katie, what what made you go after this topic? I mean, obviously Matt Walsh wrote his, you know, what is a woman documentary and that has been just everywhere. And it's really a puzzling thing. What made you kind of say, okay, I'm going to, dial down in this, maybe a little bit more from a faith perspective or a theological perspective.
2: Yeah, it was precisely that. Uh, I had been teaching in this topic when it was just on the fringes. So before my role serving churches, I taught at a seminary, and I understood transgender issues as they related to a lot of feminist critical theory or contemporary gender issues. But all of a sudden, what was on the fringes became more and more mainstream, and some friends in ministry talked about how this was such a need to help parents and pastors, mothers and ministers understand the moment that we're living in and know how to respond to it from a theologically sound perspective. And what I try to do with the book To Be a Woman is not just give the theological foundation of how to understand what we're seeing, but also as much research as I could pack into one book of what we're in what we're seeing the ideas that helped create it and things that parents especially would need to know and even know what to ask their own kids so that's where i hope this book really serves people who are looking around at the world and saying how did we get here what in the world has happened right. to our culture in just the last 10 years?
1: Yeah, no, and it has. It feels like something accelerated, something went off the rails. The title of the book is To Be a Woman, but obviously you, you deal with transgender issues from both transgender men, transgender women. Is the book applicable to anyone who maybe is struggling with this or has questions about this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, looking at it from how the transgender movement has specifically affected young women and girls, but the concepts that I discuss and the research that I give is applicable to both male and female. So looking at it from not only a sociological perspective, but a theological one as well.
1: Where do you think this thing uh, went off the rails and began to go uh, so mainstream? I mean, we've always known of gender dysphoria and people who struggle and there's a lot of compassion for people like that, but something's different. Where do you think that acceleration began to happen?
2: So as you mentioned, gender dysphoria has been around for a while. In fact, we can even find evidence of it in the early, uh, in the Roman Empire. There was a Roman emperor who wanted to find a surgeon that would make him essentially female and even would want to be called what we would essentially call uh, by female pronouns. So this idea, this feeling of being disconnected from one's body and identifying with or desiring to be someone of the opposite gender, that itself is nothing new. But there are a few things that happened in our culture that have made it go, go, just as you said, off the rails. First, I mentioned in the philosophical chapter of the book, there are several ideas that it's like you could put them in a big crock pot. And in this big crock pot of soup, you let it simmer for decades. And we have what is being served now to a new generation of what it means to be a happy, whole, fulfilled individual. Things like... Who do you listen to? What has authority to shape your own sense of identity? So we have that strain. And then we also have really what I would call the overflow of feminist critical theory. In a way, we're We're seeing feminism of the 1960s and 70s kind of devour itself because what it told women is that you, by virtue of being born a woman, are an oppressed social class. And if you don't feel oppressed, you either don't know how oppressed you are and you need to become awakened to that reality or you are a traitor to your sex. And those were the two options for women. And so it looked at everything in society as a matter of power dynamics The whole core of the human problem was all about who had the power in society and how we needed to change that. Fast forward now 50, 60 years, there is a new, quote unquote, gender minority. And that gender minority is transgender people. And you see the same logic being applied. That's why. A transgender woman, a biological man identifying or presenting himself as a woman, has what he believes is the right to be in female social spaces because essentially there is a new minority that is taking center or displacing the majority of females and saying that they no longer get to define what a woman is, but rather he does. So in many ways, this is the result of feminist or gender-critical theory being applied now to a new gender minority
1: that makes perfect sense and all of a sudden women in their own spaces find themselves being cast as the oppressor because they we're the majority so therefore right. we are the oppressor and and i what's stunning to me is how many women are going along with this and saying yeah and supporting this idea and then the ones who don't are literally being bullied into silence
2: Exactly. You have uh, other women like Riley Gaines and I think one of her teammates, or it was a woman who, uh, her name escapes me, but she did a dynamic congressional testimony a few weeks ago describing how there was no option. There was going to be a biological male in the women's locker room and uh, they had people on site to help re-educate these women, to help reorient their perspective. but. Either they are acquiescing, and I believe a lot of it is out of fear, right. or they are told that they are being bigoted, oppressive, and transphobic.
1: Yeah, M- My belief, personally, is the only appropriate response is just to not participate, just to walk out and say, I'm not going to participate in this. But yet, it's not my college career that's being derailed. I'm, I'm not the one who's trained sure. all my life to get this scholarship, and now I'm... I'm yeah in danger of losing my scholarship, I'm in danger of losing my my rankings, all the different things that this affects.
2: Yeah, exactly. There are some things that these young college women, first of all, this is a pretty heavy mantle for them to have to bear. Right. They're kind of in the crosshairs of a major not only cultural but political debate. And so this is a lot for the average twenty, twenty one, twenty-two-year-old, but then along with that, there is a lot that they would be giving up. And especially you couple that with kind of the culture of shame heaped right. upon women for questioning or for disagreeing and what is a what is a college girl to do? And this is where I think it is going to be. When just decent, freedom-loving Americans, we're not even talking people of faith or Christians, just simple, common sense, they are standing up and saying, enough. We have had it. This is enough. It's when parents show up to school boards. uh, It's when people boycott different businesses. When those people start making their voice heard, all of a sudden it will not be as profitable to go down this road and we're going to we're going to see i believe people become suddenly very enlightened very soon yeah
1: I absolutely agree, and um, I'm so grateful that you wrote the book. The book is called To Be a Woman, The Confusion Over Female Identity and How Christians Can Respond. And you can find the book at Amazon, B&H Publishing, all the usual places. It, it addresses some things that maybe we don't talk about it much. Like, for example, you talk about the theological perspective, okay, a, a biblical theological response. How do you present to someone who's, who, you know, how do you present what the word says on this and give them that kind of understanding?
2: Well, first we know that what it means To be created in the image of God means that God created us first to know Him. So, whatever aspect of our humanity we're discussing, it won't make sense until we are reconciled and have a right relationship with our Creator. Only then will we have a right relationship within ourselves and other people. But even drilling down a little deeper, what's fascinating is the way that Genesis, the creation narrative, Gives us the framework to understand even this cultural moment. It really is the genius of the Holy Spirit. Right. Because in Genesis 1, we have the words for male and female describing their biological differences, and it it shows how they relate to the rest of God's creation. In Genesis 2, we have a more relational retelling of the creation narrative. Even the name of God is different. He's Elohim in Genesis 1. He's Yahweh in Genesis 2. Mm-hmm. And we have a different set of words describing the man and the woman. They're no longer male and female. They're man and woman. And even... The Hebrew words demonstrate the connection and the relationship between the two. So somewhat anachronistically, but we could say that Genesis 1 shows us biological sex. Genesis 2 shows us gender identity. Mm -hmm. And it demonstrates that God always intended this to be in harmony You know, our culture says that we can divide ourselves, that the body doesn't have any meaning or bearing for your identity. But the, the Christian faith presents a view of humanity that is holistic. It is comprehensive. And just as we cannot divide the image of God from ourselves as though we can dissect it away, we cannot separate our gender from ourselves either.
1: Oh, that's good. That's really good. One of the things I tell our people, our congregation and our listeners, um, is that when you when you refuse a creator you 're kicking against reality? We, you know exactly. the, the point is we say, well you know that 's not my truth, yeah, well, truth exists regardless of our opinions right <laughs> that 's just the way it is mm-hmm. like for whatever you believe about origins, we got here somehow, we are here, and we got here somehow. My opinion of it doesn 't change that, and so when you are kicking against a creator, you are literally fighting against reality, and i 've never seen an issue that more illustrates that point than this issue. It's like we are literally fighting against reality because it's not just theology. I mean, for anyone who believes in science, you know, science itself shows this to be ridiculous.
2: Exactly. And we're seeing some scientific communities sort of fall all over themselves to adhere to the political narrative. But I'm so (laughs) glad that you brought up uh, the way that this issue is defying reality, because when we really boil it down, this is a spiritual issue. And what do we know about the enemy of our souls? He's the deceiver. Right. He is the one that will convince us to believe lies and Satan hates God. So Satan hates God's image bearers and he will stop at absolutely nothing to convince them that defying their creator and harming themselves is the pathway to peace and freedom.
1: And that is, that is such a lie and it is so prevalent and it is just heartbreaking for people to, to to see people buy into it and be swallowed up in that. Now, one of the things that as Christ followers You know, we want to share his love and his grace. We want to share his truth well. How would you say believers can respond in a productive and proactive way?
2: Right. So first, to recognize that every human being's primary need is for a right, reconciled relationship to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so you can have all of the cultural conversations that you want to, but that is the primary need. And for someone to realize God created you in love down to the 23rd chromosome in your Mm. mother's womb, determining whether you are male or female, and that the meaning of that is so much greater than your feelings or your cultural stereotypes. You know, when we really hear what so many transgender people are looking for, it's essentially our turf. They're Mm. looking for wholeness, peace, a sense of congruity and inner integrity. Those are things that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers. And so they are looking for essentially spiritual healing. And like all deceptions, it has a grain of truth Mm. because trans ideology says there's something wrong with me. I mean, I need to be made a new person. Mm. I need to be completely transformed. And I need something in me to change. And what we can say as ambassadors of reconciliation, ambassadors of Jesus, and say, yes. Something does need to change in you. You do need to be made a new person. You do need to be transformed. But the transformation that you need is deeper and greater and more comprehensive than any surgeon can reach, any injection can give you, and any pill can deliver. You need an inside-out transformation. This is such Mm. a—as daunting as it is, it is a gift to us in the church. What an opportunity— To proclaim the truth when people are so patently searching for it and they're searching for it in ways that are causing, in some cases, irreparable harm and deep damage, not only to their bodies, but to their souls as well.
1: Well, I, I love that you point out the condition of the human heart. Because that's really the issue. One of the things, even when we talk about sexual attractions, things like that, I try to point out to people is, you know, we've made it like we are different from people who have same-sex attraction. No, we're not. We're the same. That's not my particular challenge, but I have unhealthy sin attractions as well that Jesus had to forgive me for, his Holy Spirit has to sanctify me from and deliver me from. We're not different. We're the same. And so I, I, I want to walk from a position of identifying and yet walk towards the truth, uh, here's a quick question, maybe a difficult question. Uh, do you use uh, when someone asks you to use a different pronoun for someone? Do you do that?
2: It's a great question. So, I advise not to. And and the more that I learn, the more I have a conviction that we should not. And here, there are a few reasons why. First, we're learning more about this, and so I have a lot of grace for people who would disagree with me. Please know we don't have a Bible verse to say this, so we're trying to search the wisdom of Scripture, rely on the Holy Spirit, and listen to the community of other believers. One thing that I think we know now more than we did, even a few years ago, is just how much this is a politically-fueled ideology, And so using someone's preferred pronouns, it has moved from what we might call pronoun hospitality. It's moved, I believe, away from even compassion to being coerced and controlled speech and coerced and controlled speech that violates your conscience. And so my personal advice and perspective is use whatever name someone gives you. You can only take that at face value and avoid the pronouns as much as you can. If you have to be, if, you, if you're know, if you backed into a corner to say, you know, can we find a solution that does not violate my own conscience, that respects you, but you're asking me to say something that not only I believe is not true, but I believe is offensive to the God that I serve. And there's one more element here. Let's look at this world viewishly, if we will. What culture says today is that language does not reflect reality Mm. it creates reality right you can will something to be and by your words you can make it to be well who can create reality according to his will and by the power of his words god alone Mm. nobody else and so i think if we're looking at this from a theological perspective So much of the preferred pronoun conversation, it really is a lot like, you know, I will listen to the Lord most high. I will be Mm -hmm. like God. And as harsh as that may seem, aren't we all, as Calvin says, our hearts are idle factories? This is the bondage from which we must all be liberated, is the lie that we know what will make us happy, whole, and fulfilled, (laughs) and that we can determine the limits of our lives and the boundaries. Of our existence, mm. so I think that little question of pronouns—it's more than cultural; it's yeah. profoundly theological.
1: Yes, and you—you know—I—I I, I thank you for saying that. That's the position I've taken, and I think we do have a Bible verse. You said we don't have a verse. I think the Bible verse is "Thou shalt not bear false witness." Right? <laughs> I mean,
2: well, that's yes. I mean,
1: yeah. I don't help somebody by perpetuating a lie, uh, Katie. That's all the time we have right now. This has been awesome. We—we got to get you out down here, maybe to speak. Or you're in Texas, right?
2: I'm, a, I'm an adopted Texan.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, yes. Baron knows how to get a hold of you. We would love to get you down here to talk to some folks. Uh, I've loved this conversation. Uh, the book is called To Be a Woman, The Confusion Over Female Identity and How Christians Can Respond. How can people get a hold of the book? How can they get a hold of you?
2: Yes, To Be a Woman, Confusion Over Female Identity and How Christians Can Respond. You can find it most accessibly to on Amazon me. and then you can find me at BlondeOrthodoxy.com, blonde with an E, and it's Blonde Orthodox, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Katie, thank you so much. Thanks for being with us, and I look forward to talking again sometime.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Pastor Sean, I think you're on to something. When can you bring her down?
1: Uh, man. Uh, I'm looking at maybe sometime after the first of the year because yeah. she, she's outstanding. She mm-hmm. and, and I feel like we just scratched the surface. She's totally. she's uh, really really good. It's too bad we're limited by this
0: time, but right. uh, to have her in would right. it be kind of that interview format that you do on the.
1: Yeah, no, I I love doing that. I love yeah. doing that with certain guests, and it just because it allows people to have a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. a speaker it's great to hear a speaker, but an interview it's like oh we've just had a conversation so. Yeah. And I can have her give me key questions to make sure we cover, and then I can ask questions that I know we're wondering, like like that question about the pronouns. That That's, I think, mm-hmm. exactly the right perspective, and I think she covered that very well.
0: All right, well, be listening, be watching. dot uh, Reallife.org is the website for the church. Yep. And again, keep listening to this great podcast yep. and radio show. Yeah, and again, we'll keep you in the loop there. Uh, Pastor Sean, what else is going on this week?
1: Well, we've got, uh, you know, obviously we're going to be having services 9 30 11 30 on sunday pastor willie mayfield's going to be speaking uh pastor sean azar is gonna be leading worship so i'm hey. gonna be enjoying doing that with the team of course the week after next week september 10th we're gonna begin the city on the hill yep. conversations and campaign it's gonna be an awesome it's an exciting time to be at river city and god is really moving
0: and I love the, uh, the new life on the campus here with the school starting. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. They bring a lot of it. Our school enrollment is up significantly. Mm. I think more and more people, because of the issues that we just talked about with Katie, yeah. are looking for a, you know, an alternative mm. to public education. It's not that they don't want to support the public edu- educators. It's not that they don't have great teachers in public education, but their hands are tied. Yeah. and what what they're having to do and the stuff they're having to deal with where we don't and we mm-hmm. we just you know we just say we we have compassion on people who have issues like gender dysphoria or whatever the issue is, but we are able to set standards saying, no, no, we are going to follow the Lord. Mm. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my school, we're going to serve the Lord. And we get to say that.
0: I had a conversation with a parent today who even said they're concerned at their school that there's going to be an exodus of great teachers because like you said, their hands are tied. You can't even send the kid to the office anymore if you can't, yeah. you have to deal with it right there. And yet you can't do anything, right? Do right? Anything.
1: A kid can do whatever they want. No, well, it is the, the, you know, the phrase, the inmates are running the asylum type mm. thing. Uh, kids who are kids. Mm -hmm. And they're children, and they're immature, and they don't know. If they knew what they were doing, they would be running things. Well, in public schools, in many ways, they're trying to create that environment. And teachers are, good teachers are becoming very frustrated.
0: Here at Believer's Academy, they're telling the kids, hey, I'm going to send you to Pastor Sean, and then they straighten right up. Is that how that goes? (laughs) The fear. (laughs) The (laughs) the holy fear.
1: (laughs) He will talk to you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, just spank me, beat me. Don't, no, not that, not the voice.
0: <laughs> oh man! Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Reaching for Life podcast. And uh, Sean,
1: yeah, hey, thanks for listening. Um, we are. It means a lot. Please share this podcast. Tell friends. Uh, let people know because we got great guests, interesting yeah. conversations, and let me pray for you, Lord. Thank you for our listeners. Thank you for their just their commitment to the truth. I pray that you would lead and guide us and I pray that your word would be central in our lives and that everything we do would be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: podcast series in a devotional form encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
2: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Zaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org.
1: River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.